Hey y'all, Pastor Amel here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter. And we do have a freezer full of ice cream, but it is way too early. Well, at least for my guest here. Uh, I might be able to go for it, but I'm still fighting the sinus infection. So it's probably better I don't. Hey, if you bring it out, I'll grab a spoon there. (laughs) So I'm here with Pastor Brock Kane again. Welcome. Hey. Oh, look, I can still hear the Mississippi State crowd. You can. (laughs) Go dogs. And uh, we are here continuing to go through this confirmation-oriented program, this basics of Christianity, kind of what does it all mean, uh, what is life all about, and we're, we're dealing with some of these prerequisites uh, touching on uh, a number of things so far, uh, meaning, satisfaction, freedom, and now we're getting to identity. And uh, we're we're kind of basing our conversations off of some talks that Tim Keller did that are available on YouTube for Oxford University. And, uh, you know, the point with these, we're not proving Christianity is true, uh, basically, like he says in this uh, video on identity, he, he wants you to get to a place where if you believed it was true, look at this incredible resource you have for doing uh, life, for living life. And uh, you know, so sort of why you should care mm. that, that Christianity is true or not and providing the motivation to do the exploration, which we probably have to talk about at some point. How much of that do we do next? How much do we jump into the actual nuts and bolts of Christianity? But uh, that's what this is. This is why you should care. And uh, we're talking about identity. We all need a sense of identity. And he has a definition that he says identity consists of at least two things. A sense of self that's durable, that can't change every day and with every situation. A core you that's always true. And two a sense of worth or value. You feel important. You feel like there's a place for you. Mm. You're necessary in some way to life. And it's, it's interesting. I think if you asked, you know, a hundred people on the street to define the idea of identity, um, I, you'd probably get a lot of different concepts thrown at you, but I have a feeling many people probably go straight to number two. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, when thinking about how they construct their idea of themselves, um, well, what are the things that make me feel like I matter? And those are going to be my worth and value things. And we just kind of limit ourselves to that. And, yeah. and you know, I think Keller might have put it one way or another in his uh, talk on this subject, but it, it seems to indicate those things can change, Yeah, you know, throughout your life. Well, and in that sense, I think they're both kind of related mm. because depending on what is giving you your sense of worth and value, you may not have that, that grounded self that can be who you are wherever you go. Right. And, and that's actually, I think, the kind of identity that helps you enter into all kinds of new situations, right? You can't really, if you don't know who you are, 
how do you try new things? How do you explore the world? How do you meet new people and, and new cultures and new groups and new ideas, right? How do you encounter those things if you don't have a, a grounded sense of who you are? That's you have true. an anchor. That's very true. I guess that's why he emphasized the word durable. Yeah. Yeah. Durable. Word. Yep. Yep. So the the thing that probably was most fascinating to me about this whole thing, not just watching the videos again this time, uh, but, you know, kind of when I first encountered a lot of this stuff from Keller, is that he goes into this idea, he actually explains that this is a thing that every culture does. And I, I forget if I... He calls it a process. And, and he, he said it's a process that every culture pushes on its members. Yes. The members of the culture don't even know it's happening. Yes. But this process is taking place yep. in every culture uh, in society. Um, and that's the, the thing that was I listening to him, not just about this, but a lot of other things has really opened my eyes to understanding my own culture, right? Mm -hmm. So like when I go and I hang out with people that are not like me, I have a sense of their culture, but I don't necessarily have a sense of my culture. Or it's possible that I just look at them and I go, what's wrong with you? Why don't you do it the right (laughs) way, right? Like, like when you, you you can say one of two things. If you go to England, right, you can say, well, they drive on the wrong side of the street. Right, absolutely. Which is very arrogant, <laughs> right, especially since, you know, because they probably were doing it first. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's only arrogant depending on what side of the street you're driving on. <laughs> but exactly. So the the other way to say it is, well, they drive on the opposite side of the street that we do, which is a much more, like, you know, well, I'm not judging you. It's I'm just saying realistic perspective. We're, we're driving on different sides for some reason. We don't know why. Uh, and then there are cultures that value time differently. So sure. being on time is very important in some cultures. It's not in other cultures. And and so uh, until you start to think about the fact that your culture has certain values that it's teaching you and and asking you to value, demanding that you value, actually, is kind of what he's saying. Sure. Well, and the, the idea that he mentioned that the me- members of the culture don't know this is happening. Yes. It, when I was watching the video, I really had to pause it at that point and sit back in my chair and, and try to deal with that a, a little bit and, and ask myself, well, how does it happen? Yeah. And how does it happen to me? How has it already how happened? has it already happened? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, years old, and, um, you know, I am well-formed. How many of you have said? <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that later. Um, but I, I, am, I am well-formed within the culture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so this was happening, obviously, from... The moment you know, I first came into this world, um, but it was already set probably by the time you were a couple sure, of years old. Of course, you know, but it's still happening to me in many ways. You know how well is the that? culture continues to push its agenda on you, and it's actually once you start to realize it, you see it hmm. everywhere. Oh yes, like it is everywhere, and and this is why these first few kind of prerequisites 
because we start out talking about you know the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Apostles' Creed, and all this other kind of stuff, but we never actually get at this idea uh, or these ideas that are sort of the foundation on which our entire lives are being built and in many ways are not in sync with uh, biblical truth or, or reality or the Christian faith. How do you get all those other details mm. when you're building it on sand, sure. right, to use a biblical analogy, sure. right? So if you pay attention to just about every Disney movie there is, if you pay attention to every television show and, you know, they're all teaching us these ideas that are not necessarily true, We're get, or, or at least not, uh, they're not entirely true or not always true or they're helpful in some ways but not in an ultimate sense, right? So we're getting to this place in our modern culture where it's pushed a lot of these ideas to their extreme. Sure. And we're seeing how they start to break down at well, the extreme. And and it's it's a self feeding thing. You know, we, we talked about how we're we're formed within this identity, you know, based on the culture's objectives early on. And once we land within that identity, we demand it. Yeah. And how do you change it? We we no, we demand it from our movies, our TV shows. Oh, that's literature. true. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, now I've, I've been formed in this idea. Now that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Tell me what I want to hear. Yes. Tell me what I want to hear. And then on Sunday. Yeah. Here, here comes, uh, you know, Pastor Brock and Pastor Emil trying to speak to all these modern Americans about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, I'm going there for something. And, uh, it's not agreeing with everything the world has ever taught me about myself. Well, and for me, I've had to see how I am just like them, right? So once I figured it out myself, it helped me to be more sensitive to how to think about it and speak about it for them. Mm-hmm. Or at least I, I think I'm in that process now. I'm not sure I'm... I'm there, but but you get this idea all of a sudden that, hey, there are things that I believe about the world that I've been told by my culture, and they're not all wrong, but they're not all right, and they're helpful in some ways, but they're not helpful in other ways. And and we've seen this with all of these things, and we'll see it with the last one too. We, we get a message from our culture about what we do to derive meaning from life, where, where we get satisfaction, where we... Uh, what we believe about freedom and and why it's important, all that kind of stuff. What freedom is and how we get, and then identity, who we are, and what makes us uh, valuable. So um, we're all. And, and he actually, at, at various points, as he explains, sort of, you know, the modern approach and the traditional approach. He says, you know, the traditional or ancient cultures' way of deriving identity, you know, had some benefits, but it was also bad. And so there are benefits to the way that we have been uh, developing identity in you know, modern American culture, modern Western culture. But again, we're getting to a point where it's being pushed to an extreme, I think, sure. that is making people far less stable, far less um, resilient, 
and uh, far more anxious and depressed. Good word. And so many, you know, because it's just. Well, you know, you, you, you drew a comparison or the comparison that Keller drew uh, between the uh, what he identified as, as what most of the ancient world, how they developed identity and to some degree parts of the world today. Uh, versus modern Western culture, what yeah. you and I, what our listeners uh, grew up knowing for the most part. And there were different ways of forming identity in both of those things. And both of them seemed to have some advantages, but I, he defined both of them as crushing weights yes. that, that the culture put on its people. And, and I thought that was very insightful. So the the two ways, I guess, just to try to briefly explain that for folks. You know, traditional culture says you are born into a family, a group of people, and that people group and that family assigns roles to you. Right. So you are born into a family of potters. He used an example of his grandfather, right? You're, sure. you're born into a family of potters. Uh, that's what you do. That's who you are. Um, if you're a son, right, you're, you're a son in this family, the Keller family, the Kane family, the Gretterson family, that's who you are. Uh, or you're a daughter, or you're a father, or a mother, or, you know, and then your identity is built off of that and, and how successful you are at fulfilling your role and supporting the family, it's the a contribution. Yeah. yeah. So your value is how helpful are you to the group? But that's not what we do today. Uh, today, and he's got some. He quotes this guy Robert Bella and and some others that he quotes throughout this particular video quite often. And I've always wanted to get those books and digest them myself. I haven't gotten there yet. But there's some fascinating stuff in there. This guy. I find myself thinking that about every 30 seconds in a yeah. Keller talk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm just glad he kind of distills it for us pretty quickly. <laughs> but but this guy, and a lot of them are secular people, right? So sure. they're not Christians necessarily. And they analyze culture and they say, this is what's happening. And this is how. And, and this guy talks about how after World War II, we started to accentuate and. Uh, like I said earlier, kind of going to its extreme of individualism and, and the way we develop identity, he calls expressive individualism. And in that sense, you don't look outside you. In some ways, what's outside you is almost an excuse to do the opposite. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like so, so instead you look inside and you try to figure out your authentic self, who you really are, and you don't let anyone tell you differently. You come out of that process of uh, self-reflection and you then tell the world who you are. And you have dreams. You, you determine, you, you know, you look into your heart, your desires, your deepest desires, your dreams, and all these kinds of things. And then you come out and you say, that's who I am. And then you go after it and you make that life. Now, both of those are crushing, like you said, because you can never get out of the track in a traditional culture. Like, that's who you are, whether you are that or not. Right. And then in a 
more modern culture, you're crush. It's crushing because, well, you don't know who you are until you finally achieve who you think you are. You know, it's interesting. You, you had to go and mention Disney, didn't you? <laughs> As we describe this, the, uh, What's coming to my mind is the perfect example of what this looks like expressed uh, through modern eyes. This conflict is the Toy Story series. Okay. And the character of Woody, whose existence as a toy, spoiler alert, by the way. Um, who's, <laughs> well, I'm guessing most have seen that. Yeah. Whose existence as, as a toy, a, a person, an entity, was based on fulfilling a role. Yeah. Okay, so it's very much this ancient culture. Andy's favorite toy. Andy's, Andy's, that is what defines him. It gives him purpose and identity, this notion that he is there to provide for this boy. And throughout the course of the series of movies, his opportunities for fulfilling that identity change. Yeah. And Buzz shows up. Buzz shows up. Okay, so initially there's a challenge to his place. And then now he's got to figure out how to do that for a different child. And then towards the end... Woody is left with the conflict of figuring out a new identity independent of those functions he used to perform. Yeah. And and it's um, <laughs> these are fun movies for children to watch and very painful movies for their parents to watch because they beautifully express the conflicts yeah. that a lot of people are going through and thinking of their, their themselves and their place in the world. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, as you're talking about that, I don't know if they did that intentionally or not I, because it's so ingrained in us. But it also dawned on me that what you were describing sounded initially like this traditional versus modern approach. But then I started thinking, uh, so I forget exactly what you said, but it made me go, well, so see how the modern approach actually has the same problem that the traditional. It does. Right? Because ultimately is, it's fulfilling your role or your dreams. You have to do it. And what happens when that changes because life is life and right, things change. Right. I'm either, I, 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 am, I am either under the thumb of my the grandparents' yeah. expectations of my identity or my own. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, and that is Keller's you know, how he defines this as a crushing weight for a person. Yeah, at some point he says, you may not believe in God, but you have a voice of condemnation Mm -hmm. that says you're a fraud, an imposter, you're not living up. And uh, he, he says that's the curse. He does kind of a... That's a theological discourse part of it, where he's kind of going into the Bible a little bit, Galatians. But he says you're not even living up to your own standards, like if if he's used this example elsewhere, like if you had like a tape recorder or some quarter, si- sort of recording device, which actually we all do. My wife we and did. I had a conversation about Cracker Barrel last night, oh, and yeah. five seconds later as she scrolled, a Cracker Barrel came up. Yeah, in the thing. It, Thank you, NSA and everyone else for listening. <laughs> and to Jeff <laughs> like Bezos. and share, please, if you can, spread the word. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, 
if you walked around with some kind of recording device and then played it back and and listened to the way you're judging other people and you're setting standards and you're saying this is how it should be and this is how people should behave and then you examined your life, your life would not line up with your no. own standards. Forget about God, right? And so either path winds up crushing us. Um, now, he he doesn't uh, go into too much depth on this, but he does bring out John 10 and uh, reads 10. a few verses from John chapter 10 to kind of get at some of these themes. He insults his audience with the Bible. Well, I do that every week, don't you? <laughs> Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Well, I guess in a way. Maybe uh, maybe the SMP training, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to insult your audience, don't you know that? Comfort the uh, afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Well, that's true. I guess maybe I've got too many afflicted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busting your chops. Yeah. So, uh, John chapter 10, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He jumps over to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as I, uh, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. <clears throat> so he uh, takes this and kind of sets up these three ideas that we're sheep, we're named, and we're redeemed. He doesn't follow that outline as clearly as he does other times, but it's all in there. Yeah, and and this he does mention you know how many other times in scripture we find this metaphor taking place um, sheep. about sheep, and uh, and it's something as Christians we've become very accustomed to. I mean, we have. Good Shepherd Sunday, right? We, we, oh, the aw. Good Shepherd. You know, we, we, we name our churches Good Shepherd Lutheran Church or Good Shepherd so-and-so. And it, it's an image that we find reassuring, comforting. Uh, but <laughs> what I was alluding to earlier, Keller points out how insulting this really is. Yep. At least to uh, Western modern sensitivities. So if you name your church Good Shepherd, there's actually a Good Shepherd in town. I'm not intentionally trying to insult anyone. but There's a couple of them around here. Um, basically what you're saying is all the people here are hopeless, helpless, uh, stupid. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. They will eat the things that will kill them if you don't stop them. He didn't have they a will, lot of nice things to no, say about sheep, did he? He didn't. <laughs> But it's so true. And and actually, for Good Shepherd Sunday, 
I used this and talked about identity mm. from this passage, and there was a video that someone shared on Facebook, someone from the congregation, uh, they had shared with me earlier that week this picture. It's like a 10 or 15 second video of a sheep like stuck in this crevice, like this really narrow crevice. And it's this enormous sheep, you know, because the, oh, yeah. the, the wool is just so much bigger than their body is. But it's stuck and there's this kid, maybe a shepherd or, or somebody, is trying to get the sheep out, yanking on the back two legs and finally gets it out. <laughs> and then the sheep bounds like three more and goes right back into the crevice, you know, 20 yards down the road. Welcome to my life. Yes, yes. Uh, as uh, under shepherds of yeah. the good shepherd, you know, pastors, as parents, and if we're as honest. Sheep ourselves. As sheep, yes. Yeah. And if we're honest, as sheep, I just want to be careful not to insult you because I know you don't go around Ins- insulting people. Insult away, man. Okay. <laughs> Educate me. (laughs) But so it's an important part of our identity to realize that about ourselves. Yeah. And and, and I think that has to start in the mirror, you know, before we can really talk about anyone else's life. I have to see what that looks like for me, you know, how I, I repeatedly go back to feed on the things that are not good for me. Um you know, we had a conversation about chicken and waffles in here earlier today. And, uh, well, that's that's that that's not good for hard you. Hard to walk away from, you know. Um, or, or ice cream is my ice problem. cream. Or listen to those voices that yeah. um, tell me who I am in a way that's not really helpful to actually forming an identity. You know, every single commercial. Sure. If you would just have this product you'd be the cool kid that's right everyone would think you're cool that's right they would love to be you isn't that what you want come on sure. buy this car eat this hamburger you know look at this uh sexy person that is saying i'll think you're cool <laughs> if uh if, if you if you buy this product right none of those people go to my gym <laughs> no, yeah. no, never. But uh yeah, so so if you don't know this about yourself as a person, as a human being, mm. then you are easily duped into believing that either one of these two is ultimately a sufficient way to a- a- attain an identity. Yeah, well said. Because ultimately it's not the people around you in your community, in your family, in your people group, in whatever group you're associated with, there's a thousand of tribes out there now that you can, you know, find acceptance or anything, but only if you tell the line. And then as a, as an individual, if you don't recognize that you are so flawed and so conflicted and so prone to the, like the fact that your desires are actually terrible, yeah, you know, um there's a there's a lot out there that and this is not picking on any particular sin although it sounds like it but this idea that being born a particular way or that this is just who i am is the excuse or the reasoning or the whatever for all kinds of stuff hmm. 
you know, little things to big things. But the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, we were all born sheep. Yeah. <laughs> we're all stupid. Yeah. We're all incapable of knowing what's good for us and what's bad for us. And and the people around us are the same way. So if they're telling us things, like they don't even get it right either. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I've, I know I've felt that way too. Like, that's just kind of who I am. Yeah. I'm a jerk. Uh, I'm self-centered. I, I got so many problems and if I just let them all go, uh, I probably wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you. Sure. Right. But that, so that's the idea that we're sheep and we need someone else. We are not self-sufficient. That's like anathema. That's absolutely, you know, <laughs> that's, banned like that's language. You know, you can't a fork say in the that. microwave here in our culture, man. Yeah, you know, and especially down here. Yeah, uh, like in the most extreme form. And on Fourth of July uh, weekend. Oh, you have, I'm starting a series, living <laughs> in dependence. There you go. So that's that's what we're doing. Uh, starting July 4th. Good for you. Hey, guys. Uh, it ain't that. You know, so I, I guess I'm, I probably enjoy the insulting people part I think you too do. much. Come to open <laughs> it's arms. It's got nothing to do with SMP or, <laughs> uh, you know, traditional route. No, it's just I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. Um, and we need a shepherd. We need someone outside of us. We need someone outside of us. This, this is the second point to name us. Yeah. To tell us who we are, to tell us, uh, you know, what is value, that we are valuable, and and who we are in the midst of this sea, this, uh, this uh, tumultuous sea of feelings and desires and... Uh, and cultural things and events and people around us. And, and I really enjoyed uh, Keller's explanation of that, the uh, the story he told um, about a uh, teacher he once had who he very much respected and uh, enjoyed yeah. learning from and someone he ran into much later in life at, at, a, at a lecture, and he approached the man and, and – you know, wanted to say hi and, and share his appreciation and said, I'm sure you probably don't remember me, but the man did and immediately called him by name and yep. what that meant to him. And and I think we all experience that. We all know that feeling of, of when our name uh, is, is uttered by someone else uh, in yep. appreciation, what that truly means to us. How to win friends and influence people. There you go. A book from like the 1930s, Dale Carnegie. What is the sweetest, most beautiful sound in the world? A person's name mm. when they hear their name. And uh, I've not been as good at that as I used to be, but you'd be surprised. Like knowing people's names is a big deal. And not just knowing people's names, but kind of like paying attention and affirming, encouraging, valuing. You know, I had a, I think we all have situations like the one he talked about. I had not too long ago, uh, I was reaching out to a pastor who was my pastor at one point and uh, still kind of consider him that in some ways. And I was saying, hey, why don't you come out for this birthday party we had this past weekend? 
I knew it was probably a long shot, but it was an excuse to reach out to him and connect with him. And uh, we went back and forth texting a little bit. And then he said something like, hey, you're doing a great job. You're doing some really cool stuff. Keep up, keep up the good work. And I was like, holy cow, you're paying attention? What do you mean? What do you, you know, like, and it was just like, wow, I guess I better uh, be careful. There are people paying attention. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, it, but it also felt good, like, wow, okay. Yeah. We, we do need that, whether and we want to admit it or outside, not. Outside, you call it affirmation, you know, call it validation if you'd like. You know, th- those are, uh, I, I think, maybe more symptomatic um, uh, of the larger identity issue, yeah, um, and, and what a difference that can make. Yeah. And you know, he when he tells that story, he goes on to say, and, and I could say this about myself, you could too. Mm. If this person, this, you know, I mean, I guess they're kind of special, kind of important, but they're just a person, right? They're just some dude, some some woman, some guy, some whatever, if they can do that to you with just a word, imagine what the creator of the universe can do. Right? Imagine the Lord of heaven and earth, what it means for them to name you. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, Brock, hey, Emil, hey, Joe, hey, Susan, hey, right? That's got to mean something else. And and I forget exactly how he says it. I may have jotted a note down about it. But he said, like, imagine if I really believed, you know, what God, what if we really believed God loved us and named us? Mm. If this guy could give me that, what if I really believed God did that and recognized his power, his glory, his greatness, and that I am loved. You know, the praise of the praiseworthy is, is above, above all, all rewards. rewards. Yeah. So something really valuable there. We we can't just be self accredited, you know, like you just can't say, Hey, I make great food. Mm. You should eat at my restaurant. You know, at some point someone's gonna come and they're gonna eat it. And they're gonna either agree with you or not. Well and then they're going to take on that role from you. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you get a couple people to come in. But then at some point, if your food sucks, they ain't coming back. You're done. And they're going to tell their friends, don't eat there. That's right. And you're done. Yes. Uh, So we all need someone outside of us. And if we are sheep and we are hopeless and helpless and stupid and we continue to do the same things and eat the wrong things and wander too far and all this other kind of stuff, uh, here's a a shepherd. He's going to name us. And then the, the third part, I think, actually... Brings it all together. Again, he didn't maybe lay it out as clearly. But this third part that we're redeemed takes what I think, the you know, the idea of the sheep. You know, we're hopeless and helpless and stupid and all those things. The insult. We're named and kind of puts them together in concrete, in a concrete way. So, yes, we are hopeless and helpless, and stupid, and sinful, and there is some set of consequences. So what's the exterior result of that? Something 
that causes something. You talked about the law of the stoplight. Sure. Where you either stop at the stoplight to fulfill the law, satisfy the law of the stoplight, or the stop sign, I think he said. Or you roll through, you get the ticket, and then you pay the ticket. So we can either keep the law, which we don't. Sure. We either follow the rules, and again, even if you were held to your own standards, you don't. Someone has to pay it. The $7,500, $200 fine, depending on where you are. Jesus is the good shepherd who recognizes that we're sheep. His sheep. His sheep. That he names. He names. calls his own. Calls his own and then lays down his life for the sheep, right? The hired hand. All these other sources of identity are not going to die for you. That's right. They're going to make you die for them. That's right. Jesus dies for you and says, yeah, you know what? You're kind of a sheep. And uh, that's an insult and it's supposed to be. But Gosh, I love you anyway. And therein lies your worth and -hmm. your value. Your value and your worth are assigned to you by what Jesus has done for you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, And that is something that can see you through anything and everything. That, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you'll never be really down it doesn't mean that you'll never suffer it doesn't mean that you know rejection is never going to hurt again but there will be a resiliency that you know frankly i think more and more people are noticing is not in modern people i think so there is not a resiliency in modern people the way there used to be and part of it, a lot of it, I think, has to do with this idea of identity. If the person that is holding together the entire universe with their pinky <laughs> right, says, wait a second, got to stop everything, leave heaven, do everything perfectly, and then become a nobody for them that that's that makes us something more sure and then jesus takes it to a different place in uh in, in another place in the gospels he's he, he singles out the one sheep you know there are 99 over here who are for yeah. the moment not a disaster um <laughs> only because we tied them down exactly <laughs> yeah. but this one over here has wandered off and he's heading towards that crevice yep and uh, and that's who he's going to go chase down. And and when I'm wandering away, when I'm lost, when I'm searching for my identity in all these other things that offer me no hope, um, I'm who he chases down. Yeah, man, what does that do for how I think about my my place in this world, in his family, in the universe? Yeah, there's a guy I had in last night and I had in a few weeks ago, musician. And uh, the first song he played was called The Prodigal. Mm. And there's a line in there in the chorus 
you never gave up on me and you never will you know and of course you got to listen to him sing it cuz it's amazing but no you never never gave up on me and you never will i mean that your boss will give up on you mm. your spouse might give up on you at some point i mean we see that plenty sure it's a reality that happens uh parents give up on kids at points and uh, sometimes out of necessity, you know, it's not always maybe the parents' fault, it's the kids' fault. Siblings, uh, society may give up on you. But broken people give up on broken people. Yeah. 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 But Jesus never will. No. He keeps chasing after the one until he finds it is what it says. Yeah. And then the coin is right after that. She searched until she found it, and when she found it. And the prodigal. And then the prodigal son. When the prodigal son returns home, he's he's got a plan for how he's going to pay his fine. He's going to work off his fine. He's going to earn it. He's going to find his way back into the family, because right now he doesn't think of himself as part of that family. And the very first thing his father does is demand that a ring be put on his finger. He's in the family. Yeah, that's that's the family signet. Right there. I think you could argue, though, that he wasn't even trying to get back into the family. He was just saying, hired hand. I'll just be a hired hand. I will earn my place. I will accept this other identity and then try to live up to a lower one. Like, I'm I'm not worthy of this one, but I'll take this one and and work my heart out for it. No, you you probably screw that up, too. (laughs) And the father is waiting for him, running out to him bringing him into the family and uh, giving him all the rights and privileges, never gave up on him, never will, doesn't matter what it costs him. His father just lost a third of his wealth, Mm. and here he's giving up another third of what's left, essentially, by uh, welcoming him back. He's certainly given up the big brother's portion, which is partly why he's probably ticked off. Yeah, that's a different discussion. (laughs) So identity... We need it. We need something that is a core of who we are that helps keep us stable throughout all the different uh, circles that we travel through and uh, places we go and people we interact with and roles that we have. And we need a sense of feeling valuable. And the world will give you all kinds of ways of doing that. There's modern culture and traditional culture, uh, ancient culture. Those two will say one of two things either it's outside that tells you which can be crushing or it's inside you got to find it and then you tell the world and then you try to achieve it live up to it live up to that and well that's going to crush you too but god says i have a name for you your sheep which is an insult in in a way but you're my sheep Mm. and uh Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for you. And uh, the, he, he, he spent some time, this is the, the great exchange, right? The Lutheran idea, I think Martin Luther. So Jesus should get all the blessings for being the perfect child, but instead he accepts the curse so that we who deserve the curse can get all the blessings so that God, when he looks at us, sees the perfection of Jesus no matter how much we've screwed up, no matter how far we've wandered, 
we are always valuable. Uh, he talks of he he mentions the word ballast, mm-hmm. you know, like this stabilizing, anchoring weight that keeps us from getting knocked over uh, one side or the other. That's at the core. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of identity is something that even Christians need to struggle with because I can tell you several moments in my life where I've had these epiphanies and I may not have recognized it at the time. Some of them I did, but they were all about identity. Mm. Right? So if you're struggling with a, a sin or there's sin that you kind of keep doing, like you keep kind of making the same mistakes over and over again, it's because your identity is built on that. Well, and when, when Keller defined um, the modern Western culture's way of, um, of, of forming identity, one of the things he said, and I made a note of it, he said, you are your choices yeah. according to this model. Yep. And... Uh, that's I mean, very difficult to escape. I, I've made some pretty dumb choices. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And they th- they act like that's a good thing. Yeah. They're like, you get to choose. I have chosen some really stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I can remember one time, probably about six years ago, I wasn't sinning necessarily. You know, like I... But I was stressed out, mm. and it was ministry. And I realized that I felt that my value, again, so I wasn't thinking identity, but I, it's identity. That's what it comes down to. I felt that if the church did well, I was a good, valuable, important person. If the church didn't, I didn't. And so... Consequently, I was constantly trying to make sure that the church didn't blow up, right? Yeah. Like, and if there was anything that looked like it might blow up the church, well, gosh, I got to go fix that. That's an enormous amount of responsibility that no one can shoulder. And then it wasn't just about identity. I also, you know, faith. I was like, well, wait a second. If Jesus is the head of the church and he wants this place to go to hell in a handbasket, I mean Jerusalem in seventy AD. Who was going to stop that? Yeah, he it, told he told them to get happening. out of Dodge. Yeah, it's happening right Head for the mountains. Now that's not to say that that's what Jesus wants for any church ever in particular, but you know who? What makes me think I'm going to stand in the way and right. stop this? Let's stop deluding my. You know, I, I got these delusions of grandeur are getting out of control, and and once I realized that. It was, I, I swear, there was like a moment, like I'm even, I remember standing in my office at the time, and I had just closed the door, and I'm looking at my bookshelf. I don't even like remember what I was looking at. I just was staring in that direction, and it dawned on me. I was like, oh, man, I'm an idiot. How freeing is it to be a sheep in and, that situation? And it was incredibly freeing. Yeah. And there was another moment with my kids where I realized that was getting me so angry and anxious and frustrated because I felt my identity now wasn't being a pastor. It was being a father. 
and I, my kids had to be good. And if I didn't make good kids and they weren't obedient, what, what about all these other people? What are they going to think about my parenting? Yep. And from that day on, I care a lot about my parenting, but it, it's not, you know, he used this quote from a writer who he said, when, when writing was my entire sense of self-worth, I forget exactly how he said it. Uh, I couldn't, critique my writing it had to be good i was stressed out i was writing you know but as soon as it wasn't my writing got way better well my parenting got way better as soon as i realized oh no god loves me i'm a child of god i'm a sheep and i'm gonna do some stupid things but i'm loved i'm forgiven i'm redeemed in christ and uh so let's just enjoy this thing called life and family and kids and you know, so. Amen. Anything uh, you want to add before we? We're all searching. Every one of us, we're struggling through this. You know, pastors. <laughs> we, we, have, we have a very unique and uh, specific way of, uh, you know, facing these circumstances the way everyone else does. But just don't forget who you belong to. Yep. Yep. You are a sheep. But you belong to the good shepherd. Good shepherd. Who already laid down his life for you. That's right. So, all right, y'all, hope this has been helpful. We've gone through now meaning and satisfaction and freedom and now identity. Um, I forget what's up next. Hope, right? Okay. And uh, we'll be back with that a couple weeks or something like that. God bless you. Make sure you like and share and subscribe and all those wonderful things, and we'll catch up with you later. God bless you. See ya.